Welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series, which can be heard on VHHA.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. We're also on the radio each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, 820 AM, 107.7 FM across Central Virginia, and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. Again, that's PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. And today we're excited to be joined by Cheryl Garland, the Executive Director of VCU Health's Office of Health Equity for a conversation about the office and its work, the broader subject of efforts to integrate health equity into education, training, research, and patient care, and much more. And with that, welcome to the program, Cheryl. Thank you so much, Julian. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. Well, we appreciate you joining us. And so let's start as a baseline by defining health equity I think people who have been paying attention in recent years have no doubt at least heard of this idea, though I suspect that interpretations may differ and some may still be grappling with understanding equity concepts. So from the perspective of efforts being done and undertaken at VCU Health and with the Office of Health Equity, what does health equity mean and how is it manifest in the health system's ongoing work to serve patients and communities? So if you go with a standard definition, you will find very similar definitions outlined by the CDC, Healthy People 2020, WHO. Health equity is essentially achieved when every person has the opportunity to attain his or her full health potential or optimal health. And how that translates is that organizations, systems, processes really need to be focused on what are the barriers or the issues that may be preventing individuals from achieving that goal. And so from a health system perspective, one of the things that we have to think about is what are some of the issues or practices or policies that we may have in place that may serve as barriers or impediments for individuals reaching that ultimate goal of optimal health. And I gather we recently had Dr. Art Kellerman on the podcast. Before that, we had Dr. Marcel Davis. This seems to be a real point of emphasis and focus for VCU Health. What can you tell me just about sort of the the atmosphere or the culture of embracing this at the health system? There's a great deal of energy around the idea of really focusing on advancing health equity, addressing some of the inequities that um, we often see reflected in some of the metrics that we track, length of stay, quality of life, rates of diseases. And therefore, we see this whole idea of addressing health equity very much aligned with our quality and safety goals. You talked about some of those metrics, and that's a great segue to the next question. From a practical perspective, striving to achieve health equity, and I think there are some examples that we can point to from the population health perspectives and efforts like the Health Hub at 25th, which is a VCU wellness center in Richmond's East End, where metrics show that there are pockets of health outcome disparities due to the historic absence of infrastructure that can significantly impact individual and community health. It might be visible in things like the training in future clinicians and the approaches to care by staff at a facility like VCU and Urban Medical Center. Or it could be, as I recall hearing you say several years ago, things like VCU fostering a construction apprentice program to provide job skills and training on VCU health and medical campus building projects, Uh, so serving sort of a dual purpose there. I wonder, as you think about the work that you've been associated with at VCU, what examples of this being lived in action come to mind for you? 
So a couple of things that we are very proud to have supported over the past couple of years. One, as you mentioned, is how we are working to prepare the healthcare professionals of the future and actually educate our current team members. We have done a lot of work with our Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Dr. Marcel Davis, to really promote the idea of educating our team members. Uh, Last year, we launched a History and Health Initiative, which is really focused on understanding the history of our organization, but then utilizing that history to help individuals to think about our policies, our practices, our interactions with our patient populations and families going forward. I'm very excited because one of my coworkers, Dr. Kevin Harris, who is actually the Senior Associate Dean for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion in the School of Medicine, often uses the phrase, our history shapes us, but it does not define us and it doesn't confine us. And therefore, understanding our history really helps us to contribute to the healing process and creates a body of knowledge to move us forward together. We've also launched a couple of pilots across our organization to get a better handle on what are some of the health-related social needs that our patients are encountering, which then allows us to think about partnership with community organizations to address those needs. We have spent a great deal of time focusing on addressing food insecurity amongst our patient population, housing instability, and transportation needs because we've identified those as critical social determinants of health that exist and create barriers for our populations to achieve the outcomes that we all hope that they can. And you mentioned the history and health virtual education series. So I do want to use that as a segue to ask about that. There are some upcoming programs this spring. This is a continuing series. One is about the first heart transplant in the South. Another one is about inequities during COVID. And you mentioned the component of race, and and these lessons are inextricably linked with history and with matters of race, which can be difficult topics for some people to approach and discuss. And so I I wonder if you would, since these are public-facing educational events, What would your appeal be to get people to join in or participate in these programs, particularly those who might be a little hesitant to to learn more, to expand their horizons? Well, first, I would share knowledge is power, and it is so important for us to understand where we've come from in order to make sure that we can be the best provider of care and best community partner that we can be. And so I would, first of all, ask the listeners to check out our History and Health website, which is on VCU's website. You can just Google VCU History and Health, and you will see what we're trying to do. Information about our upcoming webinar on March the 2nd, Medical Research and the First Heart Transplant in the South. And then on April the 8th, We will also be hosting a webinar called Coughing and Scoffing, Inequities in the Time of COVID-19. Our goal in these sessions, the sessions that we have hosted throughout last year and the sessions that will be hosted in the fall, is really to help people to understand where we have been as an organization, what are some of the issues that could be drivers in the inequalities that we're seeing and the health disparities that we continue to track 
um, across populations? And then more importantly, what are some of the policies and the processes that have resulted in these outcomes? And the good news about the webinars that we host is that we really provide an opportunity for panelists and for participants to talk about and ask questions about what should we do in the future to make things better. And that web address for anybody listening and interested is healthequity.vcu.edu slash history hyphen and hyphen health. healthequity.vcu.edu slash history hyphen and hyphen health for anybody who wants to check that out. So I appreciate you sharing that with us, Cheryl. And before we let you go, we do have a couple other questions for you to give our listeners a bit of a sense of who you are beyond the work that you do. We're going to shift up our format just a little bit here and give you some multiple choice options. So I'd like you to pick two numbers between one and five. Oh, um, two and four. Okay, two and four. We'll go with four first. I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and you have the floor, and let me get my timer ready here. You have the floor to get on your soapbox and speak about any issue that is on your heart right now, and your 30 seconds starts now. As healthcare organizations, it is critical that we begin to broaden our perspective about health, that if you take a look at the county health rankings model that was developed by the University of Wisconsin's Population Health Institute, they were very articulate in outlining there are multiple factors that influence health outcomes and how long people live. And amongst them are social determinants of health. In fact, they drive about 50% or represent about 50% of the factors that influence outcomes. If we as healthcare providers and healthcare systems are not being attentive to those social determinants of health, we miss a major opportunity to achieve our mission, which is to make sure that the populations and communities that we serve are as healthy as they can be. You did that in 56 seconds. Well done. Oh, my goodness. More than 30, but it was still very succinct and concise. So great job. And then you also picked number two is actually normally the last question we ask everybody on the podcast. So that question, Cheryl, is this. If you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself company? We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three entertainment survival kit picks? Oh, my goodness. All right. That's a tough question. I think from a reading perspective, it would be The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. It truly provides a great framework for anyone that's interested in thinking about servant leadership and why are we here. From a musical perspective, I'm not quite sure if I can nail down any one genre of music. I just like music. I am a huge gospel music fan, and so I do think that probably one of my favorite songs is Yolanda Adams' The Battle Is Not Yours. And that has been great in navigating through multiple (laughs) issues throughout my career. And then from a TV standpoint, oh my goodness. So my favorite movie is Pretty Woman. Hey, I help you. No, thank you. Hi. Hello. Do you remember me? 
No, I'm sorry. I was in here yesterday. You wouldn't wait on me? Oh. You work on commission, right? Uh, yes. Big mistake. Big. Huge. I have to go shopping now. Believe it or not. And I think part of it is I believe in Cinderella stories. But the other thing is that I think that it is important for all folks who are in business to understand that at the end of the day, it's about the people. It's not about the money. It's not about the things. And we all need to remember that it's important to approach your work with a heart. Well, I appreciate you sharing your picks with us. And I appreciate you sharing a few minutes with us today during what I'm sure is a busy schedule. And with that, that's going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available. And we want to once again thank our guest, Cheryl Garland, who is the Executive Director of the VCU Health Office of Health Equity and the Chief of Health Impact for VCU Health for joining us today. So thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciated the opportunity to talk with you today. 